Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to series two of Broke and Ambitious with me, Frances Keaton. Each episode, I speak to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We talk day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and weird ones, plus how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. As we enter series two, I have a favour to ask. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to give the show a boost. My guest today is Lucy Brownhill. Lucy is a British actress, voice artist and writer, currently based in Amsterdam. She grew up in the Midlands and trained in screen acting at the Bristol Ulvik before graduating from Drama Studio London in 2016. Lucy's theatre work includes playing the iconic science fiction writer Christine Brooke Rose in End of the Line and Ruth in Nina Rain's Tribes. She played the lead in the short film Weekend Break, which was given special recognition at the Renaissance Film Festival in Amsterdam. She co-founded Shy Dog Productions, which is most well known for the web series The Play, and she has just returned from filming a commercial in Bulgaria. Lucy works consistently as a voice artist. She was the commercial winner in the Mandy Voices competition in 2019, and she has narrated over 45 audiobooks. Here is my conversation with Lucy Brownhill. Welcome, Lucy. It's so good to see you. I've missed you so much. Yeah, you too. It's so nice to see you. You are, as I just said in your introduction, you are now living in Amsterdam and yes. you're fresh from King's Day, which happened yesterday. Can you can you tell me about that? Yes. So King's Day is um, our King William Alexander's birthday. And uh, pre-COVID times, it's this huge uh, street festival and it's also a free market. So it's kind of like a -a bric-a-brac sale. So everyone has a little table outside their house and kids sell cookies and uh, pancakes and like fizzy drinks and stuff. And and then uh, other people have all their clothes, their secondhand clothes they want to get rid of. And and it's just drinking in the street, walking around. There's all these little parties and like traditional Dutch singers and lots of stuff going on the canal normally. So floats and you all just stand around and get drunk all day. It's great. But of course, that wasn't how it was yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. Just just people sitting in the park and having little picnics and stuff. But yeah, normally it's just it's so good. That makes me love Amsterdam even more. So it's the king's birthday. Yeah, and of course, um, I should say everyone wears orange, so it's just a sea of orange everywhere you look. Got it. Everyone has got a costume, or yeah. Um, does does the drunk. king come out? Does he is he part of the procession? Oh yeah, so every oh, wow. every year he visits a different city. Um, I can't remember where he went yesterday, but yeah. So it's a whole normally it's a whole day of events where he'll visit people and. Um, yeah, he's got uh, three daughters, so he goes with his wife and his daughters and they, they visit a city and it was all online yesterday instead. But that's what usually happens. He normally goes somewhere and then joins in the festivities. What a legend. So. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Does the Queen... I mean, what? Okay, so in the UK, when it's the Queen's birthday, some people get out and do... You know, they'll have a, a street party or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like she... I mean, she's not encouraging it, is she? She doesn't no, really care not. whether doesn't we do it care. or not. 
Either way, it's her birthday. She's got like three of them. But that sounds like a really lovely national celebration. And people singing little Dutch songs. Yeah, what? yeah, there's often these traditional, like there's an old, there's an area here called the Jordan and it's where all the artists used to live. And oh. um, it's really beautiful, like all these little small streets and, and canals and then you always get like an old woman singing these traditional songs. Um, yeah, and uh, an it's just woman. really special. Yeah, it's always an old woman. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, there's little stages and all sorts of bands playing and, and then they do after parties, but... Yeah, it's really oh, special. And it's every year. It's a huge thing every year. So he's a very special king, obviously. Oh, well, clearly. Good, happy birthday, uh, Wilhelm. Was that yeah, right? Wilhelm Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> Wilhelm Alexander. God bless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's awesome. I feel a bit peeved that I'd have to buy loads of uh, orange clothing to wear for that one day. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a whole a store of orange clothing now. We've got a bag full that. of orange clothes. <laughs> yeah, so we just uh, fish something out of that bag every year. It's such a lovely tradition. And did yeah. you sing a Dutch song? Were you the creepy old woman? Because I know your range, oh. you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> one day I will. One day I will be that woman, won't I? I can go outside <laughs> and uh, I'll be the old woman singing the Dutch song. I mean, hopefully I'll know how to sing a Dutch song by then. Yeah, in my in my old age, speak speak Dutch, sing speak. Dutch, yeah, all yeah. of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we know each other because we went to drama school together. Yeah, twenty fifteen to sixteen, I believe. Yes, yes, yeah. It's fair to say that we bonded because we we're both tall. Yeah, we were always paired together for everything, weren't we? We all were, the and we didn't even have a name. One of the teachers just referred to us as the Chrysler Buildings. Exactly. Beautiful. Art Deco Chrysler building in New York. Um, I actually didn't know what it was and I had to look it up and I was like, all right, I'll take that. But I honestly think he forgot our names. Like he would just be like, oh, um, George and one of the Chrysler buildings, let's do a scene, get on your feet. And it was exactly. like so dehumanising. <laughs> exactly, yeah. One of you but, tall ones, the blonde one, one and the brunette one. <laughs> exactly. But I kind of loved it. And it was useful for like movement scenes and stuff to be with someone your own height. And we did... Yeah, we did do a lot together. We also did a mime, a mime cabaret scene. Let's not yeah, forget. We did. Learned yeah. the art of mime acting just for that. <laughs> and I, le- I remember we used to have lots of like three course dinners after drama school. Like we'd be tired, exhausted, and then one of us would just be there like cooking up. Do you remember you you cooked me a whole roast chicken after my stage combat exam? That was yeah. You were so most- broken. You were really tired, <laughs> weren't you? You'd had a really rough week. It had been a really really long week, and then you came round and ate a chicken with me. Well, yeah, it was the perfect thing because that stage combat exam. I don't know. I mean, people listening, people who don't know, you learn the art of stage combat, and it's literally just you being pushed to the ground over and over again, or being pretend stabbed by a sword and I was covered in bruises and I was broken um and it was it was just oh my god horrendous but a rite of passage for any actor I think and then to come back with a hot juicy spit roast chicken (laughs) made by my best friend at drama school like it was just I might get emotional thinking about it it was so wonderful oh it was a great moment wasn't it well done though for passing like you're always um those, those skills now, those sword fighting skills, must really come in handy. Don't, don't, just don't. Yeah, the most handy those sword fighting skills came in useful was cutting my chicken later on with my little <laughs> knife. Oh, oh yes, lovely little uh, parry there, parry four, parry five. Good Lord, never used them since. But still, you know, oh, no. I think it's expired after that. It's, it's oh, actually no, expired, real. but fine. <laughs> oh, but it's so good to have on your CV, isn't it? Stage oh, combat yeah. uh, experience. 
pass oh, my God, exams. Yeah. 100%, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, Brilliant. I loved me to you. We thought we were the French and Saunders of drama school, didn't we? We were just always doing little skits. Yeah. And, oh, it was the best. But now yeah. you're in Amsterdam and yeah. I do miss you, but I'm also in awe because you have crafted this career as a British actress living in Amsterdam and it's like a plot twist that no one saw coming. Yeah, me, me, me too. <laughs> For sure. And we will get onto that. But could you start by telling us how you first got into acting? Yeah. So it's quite a traditional story in a way. So when I was younger, I was really shy. So painfully shy. Mm. And um, sort of a bit of a drifter as well, because um, when I was younger, we moved around quite a bit. So I went to two junior schools and then two middle schools. So when I got there, everyone had already got their friends and I was kind of drifting between groups and feeling a bit lost, I guess. Oh, yeah. And um, I know, it's a proper sob story. Um, But (laughs) then, uh, so as a kid as well, I did a lot of dance, actually. So I was doing ballet, tap, um, modern. Yeah, yeah, tap dancing um, and, and modern. So enjoyed that. But then it was really when I got to high school and I started doing GCSE drama that something clicked and I felt like I could put all of these things that I was feeling into a character and then Mm. I started to really enjoy performing and I was such a geek because I remember being in drama class and then the class would end and I'd be devastated because I wanted to carry on acting and and exploring these characters and um so I thought yeah there's something really special about this and then I started doing Saturday classes at this place that was called Stagecraft and it was above a carpet shop in this town where we used to live. Lovely. And um, yeah, and then I joined this after-school drama club and we put on, um, I'll never forget this, so it was Willie Russell's Our Day Out and it's actually oh, wow. a, a musical and um, I played this part of, well, it was Mr Briggs in the play but they changed it to Mrs Briggs for me and I played this really stern deputy head teacher with a Scouse accent the whole way through the play. And then that for me was, I remember being so nervous going to perform it. And then after, you know, when the lights come up and we had this amazing theatre at this school, actually. It was like a proper stage with rake seating. And I remember thinking, this is it. Like, this is this is what I want to do. And then I went on to study drama at uni and then did loads of weird and wonderful jobs in between and then went to drama school, met you. That sounds fantastic. I wish I could have seen your performance as Mrs. Briggs, the stern, yeah. dominant character. I can imagine that. Scouse, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant. Mrs. Yeah. Briggs. I was so proud of myself that keeping up this Scouse accent the whole way through. And everyone was like, oh my God, yeah, I thought you were from Liverpool. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is just amazing. <laughs> oh, so you do actually have fantastic accents. And I mean, yeah, as I said in the bio, you've done over 45 audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah, Incredible. I believe Incredible. 45 now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was such a beautiful journey. So nice to see that. I don't think I realised... Well, I didn't realise you did tap, and that's blown my mind. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. that. Those long legs. And, Do you know what? Like, I really fancy doing it again now. Because, I mean, it was when I was really young. I think I was about, like, nine or ten or something. But during lockdown, I thought, Do you know what I would like to do when things are back open? Tap dancing. Well, I'm sure that would go down really well for the King's King's Birthday Festival, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. Every, it's what everyone's need. A bit of, oh, who's that Who's that long, lanky lady tap dancing in clogs? I like it. Let's do this every year. That'd be great. That could be my act. It. Forget the singing. I'll just do some tap dancing on a little stage by the canal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
dressed in orange perfect good you're booked (laughs) but I did just see that whole journey and it was so beautiful and I also remembered when we were doing our graduation productions and it was a really one of those classic sort of wanky you know movement sequences where there was a flood and everyone in the village well I can't remember what the play was what was the play called oh mill on the floss mill on the floss and it was a you know it was a flood sequence and all the villagers were trying to save their prized possession so everyone picked something up and then we all sort of span around as this lighting show and this music was happening and (laughs) I know where this is going I've just remembered (laughs) and Lucy god bless her picked up a sort of tin or or aluminium um kettle beautiful it was heavy it was heavy quite heavy yeah she did her little spin brought back some of those tap dancing moves and um, and then I was sort of beneath her, which is rare, but she brought it down with quite an almighty blow on my head. And, uh, oh my God, I think I had slight concussion and just sort of... You did. I think I nearly knocked you out. <laughs> sort of those acting moments where you're like, must carry on, must do the scene change, and then I will feel my pain. And like, just sort of stumbled off stage. I think I burst into tears like a classic legend. And, uh, and then afterwards, your parents were watching and they were like, did you... Uh, did you smash a did you smash a kettle down on Francis? You are things alright between you guys? Yeah, what's going on? It was like the play that goes <laughs> oh, wrong. Oh, I felt so bad. Yeah, I felt so bad because also, you know, it was the end of the year, wasn't it? We were all probably very tired and stressed. Yeah. And that's the that's the last thing you needed, being <laughs> smacked around the face with a heavy kettle. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do remember you bursting into tears and I felt so bad because the play wasn't over, was it either? So I couldn't even console you or oh, anything. No, I think no, you were no, just like, my just head. back on stage doing her final monologue, cold hearted. <laughs> no, honestly, it was just, I think when anyone has a, a hit to the head and my, honestly, I've had uh, many, um, like it just, it, it releases this instinctive childlike thing, doesn't it? And you do just burst into tears. But, you know. Yeah, I do it all the time. If I stub my toe, I'll just burst into tears or get really angry and and start yelling at the the inanimate object that I stub my toe on. Mrs Briggs. Mrs Briggs comes out. (laughs) Coming out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. That's a beautiful story from shy wallflower to blossoming sun. God, I hate that metaphor already. Skip that. Oh, yeah. It's so random though, isn't it? Because it is just wanting to be other people, isn't it? I think yeah. when you're shy. It's I think a, like a lot of people say that. It's it's a classic tale. Yeah, and I love the story of you finally finding a release for all of that and all those pent up emotions in the drama class and then wanting it to end. It's so sweet. It's lovely. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's the only thing I liked in school, English and drama. That was it. And you mentioned that you have had lots of weird and wonderful jobs in between. And um, I'm I'm so excited to hear about some of these because I, I think we also bonded talking about these at the start of drama school because you had had yeah. a few of these before drama school as well, but always with the intention yeah. of being an actor and a creative. So let's begin with your worst day job. Okay, um, there's so many. You might have to rein me in. So if it's <laughs> no, taking no. too long, just tell me. <laughs> Um, okay, I think I've been thinking about it. So I think the worst job or jobs I've ever had, I've done so many, so much work for promotional companies. Yes. So that's when you're, they call you a brand ambassador. <laughs> and then you're on the street um, and you're either giving away free stuff or you're getting people to give their details, their email address, so you can mm. bombard them with emails or getting them to uh, fill out a questionnaire or, you know, something like that. Mm. So I did loads of that kind of work. 
uh, before drama school and after. Loads of actors do it. Um, but for some reason, you know, sometimes they have a mascot. So they have uh, whatever the brand is, they have... I was always the person in the costume, always. So over the years, I've been a slice of bread or toast, I think it was, um, an an eyeball for a contact lens campaign, like walking around as an actual eyeball. Um, I've been a Snow White doll, an elf, and a pink robot. But I think the, the absolute worst job I had was when... It was about a year after we graduated from drama school... And I was um, on the streets at Christmas time, dressed as this pink robot. So it's this pink tube with a metal hat, and you can't. Uh, there's no interaction with people. You're just stuck in there. You're just, you know, waving, and uh, <laughs> that's it. And I just remember feeling so miserable because it was freezing cold, super busy. You're being pushed onto the road from the pavement, and um, I just thought, oh god, is this how it's? Is this what's going to happen? from now on like I'm just going to be doing these jobs like no acting work oh god can I cope with this and I had a small breakdown when I got home after I'd taken off the the robot costume I got home and burst into tears mm. and and thought oh I'm not sure if I can continue to do this there'd been so many other things before that but this was the real like breaking down moment because during this campaign I was this Christmas elf and then and then this robot and you know, on Regent Street and Oxford Street, you know you're going to bump into people. Oh, of course, and you, of course. You know, it's just awful. Oh, bless you. Yeah. So that that was definitely the worst one, mainly because of the small breakdown I had after. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I a pink robot? Yeah, I love that it was the pink robot that broke you. Like after, you know, yeah. not the slice of bread where I'm assuming your face was shown. Was your face in the middle of the? Bread? Yeah, like so, like your your face in the middle of the bread with you know you can imagine with the arms either side. Yeah. Sticking out of the slice. <laughs> Not the eyeball, where I can imagine lots of people were making loads of jokes, like, oh, I see you, or, I mean, God, that, that was shocking, but, like... Aye, aye. Aye, aye, that's good, yeah, that was brilliant. But the pink robot, where your face was covered, but maybe that was worse. Yeah, I think it was because you know, it, they were really, really long days, and um, we were just milling around on the street. I think it was to get people to go into a store... Mm. And um, there's no interaction, so you're just stuck inside this costume and you can't even... You know, it's nice if you could say hi to kids or whatever and have a little... pretend to be the character, but they didn't want that. So I was just stuck in there for 10 hours a day, not able to speak to anyone. It's it's a, and, it's a uh, strange form of torture, isn't it, those kind of things? And I, fi- <laughs> I feel like it's absolutely nonsensical to call you a brand ambassador when you are literally playing an eyeball or a pink robot or an elf. Because... You're not represent. Yeah. I mean, what, you're not an ambassador. An ambassador suggests someone doling out um, Ferrero Rocher's at a party. Like you're not doing that, are you? You you're standing in the cold, seeing your old friends. Yeah. Dressed as a robot. Yeah. Going. Yeah, I sort of graduated from drama school last year. Yeah. Yeah. Things are going well. Things are going right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you just had this dream, don't you, of how it's how it's going to be. And then it was like, because I'd done so much of that work before and then I was doing it after straight away mm. as well on some of the, like the worst campaigns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's so. it, isn't it? Because you'd done it before, then drama school, then you're kind and of I, gone, I went back to it. Change, but you, yeah, needs must. Times are hard. Yeah, yeah. And of course, in between temping at offices as well, so you're doing that and then all this on the weekend and then, yeah, it's just That's the a thing, lot, isn't, isn't it? it? This Sometimes. is the thing. We do so many different jobs. So one minute you put your, your office corporate hat on and, you know, you get a certain measure of respect because it's decent. You know, people look at you on the tube, you're wearing, a, you're wearing an office outfit 
and that's fine. You're not happy, but you, you're doing. Yeah. You get a bit of respect. Then the next day, you are. Yeah, you're a brand ambassador, and you're. Yeah, you're standing giving out leaflets, or whatever. And then no one gives you any, and you're just like, I don't know which, I don't know who I am this week. And all I want to be doing is acting and I'm not doing any of that. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes you come home and you're tired and you you, you have no headspace, do you, for anything else? Exactly. By the time you've done all these extra jobs. Completely, and completely. And then everyone yeah. keeps saying to you, oh, well, you could write, you could write a sitcom about it. And you're like, well, I've got no fucking time to do that. <laughs> I'm so tired. I don't really yeah, want exactly. to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, Brad Pitt started out doing that, didn't he? Wasn't he dressed as a hot dog? It's the classic story. Oh, was he? Oh, gosh, right, okay, yeah. Oh, he was a hot dog. He was a hot dog. (laughs) Hot dog. (laughs) All the trimmings. So now could you tell me about your best day job while you've been working as an actor? Oh, okay. Um, Well, I did something that was really cool before training, but I was still trying to work as an actor. So I did, um, for four years, I was a freelance audiobook producer So, um, and that was for BBC audiobooks at the time. So my job was, because I love to read, so I would, I would direct the actor reading the audiobook, but before that I would read the the whole book and then prepare it and then sit with the actor and then they would read it and they were amazing actors that I got to work with. And it was just incredible as well, because at the time it was, it was a bit more relaxed and there was a big lunch room and there's about six studios. So the actor and the producer would all sit around together and and have lunch and hear all these stories about the good old days um but essentially I did that for four years in between uh trying to work as an actor as well um but I just found it it was absolute magic just mm. reading all the time being read to all day and uh, and that was my job and I was being paid for it that is very very cool I love that and of course now you have made the transition into being an audiobook actor and that must feel really special. You must be pinching yourself sometimes. Have you been in situations where you're in the studio and you're seeing the director and you're thinking, that used to be me, but now I'm the I'm the talent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think um, when I was doing that job, that's what um, made me want to... Well, it, I, I wanted to train and go to drama school yeah. after that because I thought, no, what am I doing this side? I want to be there and I want to train properly first and then, and then look into that after, but... Yeah, definitely sitting there. I was like, this isn't right. I really want to be that side. Yeah. Um, but I learned so many things. It was really, really valuable because I learned so much from from those actors, like listening to them. Yes, you must have and, done. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you that you've yeah. made that work. And honestly, 45 audiobooks to your name after, you know, in the space yeah. of about four, four or five years. It's incredible. Yeah. What's been your favourite one to record? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I did a book called uh, Mothers, which was a selection of uh, short stories to do with uh, people's relationships with their with their mothers. I thought that was really, it was really, really beautiful. Like they were so well written, and uh, yeah, I felt really privileged to be able to read that. But I also really enjoy doing. Um, I do a lot of kind of uh, period romantic sort of West Country yarns as well. You know, about a girl who will run away from home. And uh, yeah. and then have an adventure, and they're always really nice to do. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy that. I need to get I need to get these because I've got Audible, and what a lovely thing that would be to go to sleep listening to your dulcet tones talking about mother relationships. <laughs> it's perfect. Got my evening sorted. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh gosh. Yeah. Thanks. They're also um, on Spotify as well. Actually, you can cool. some of them you can just uh, find on Spotify for free. So moving on now to your weirdest day job. 
Oh, it's, there's, there's two. I don't know if we've got time. We do. <laughs> we definitely okay, do. Okay, okay. Uh, so I did this really weird job when I just left uni. So I somehow ended up working at the Ministry of Defence for <laughs> as a temp for, I think, eight months. And my sole job there was uh, to order in station stationery <laughs> for two pods so two large offices and then when I got there I was really confused because I was like well I'm, I'm done with this now after half an hour so what's my other function here and I don't think they were used to people asking for more work so the joke became that the, my boss there would say have you tidied up the stationery cupboard um as you can imagine it was immaculate so um because I was about 21 at the time I was going out a lot so I was hung over so yeah. I just ended up going a lot of the time into the stationery cupboard, locking the door and having a little nap in there. No, you or, didn't. Um, or just having a lie down and reading a magazine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. And um, and then in the end, I pestered them because I really like to be busy. So I couldn't handle just having nothing to do. And I just kept yeah. asking them, like, please, uh, is there anything surely that like, I've ordered all the pencils? We've got enough paper for the printer. I, like, just give me something else to do. And in the end, I... Was, I ended up in this role where I, because this place was, um, they sourced all the materials and the and the food and ingredients that went into ration packs and like all the stuff the military personnel need when they're away. Oh my god! And yeah, it's so bizarre. And I ended up um, because I'd moaned so much about having nothing to do. They said, okay, well you can go. Um, they went away on these conferences, so it was just me and then mainly all these military guys who would go away somewhere, and then they would go to these conferences oh and pick. Like the, the you know, what kind of sausage was going to go into a ration pack. And there'd be these conferences where they'd be like, sausage A, sausage B or sausage C. And then they collect all the data, they'd all vote on it. And then I was the one who sat there and then collated all the data and um, and then made a little report about it after. But so I would just... The bits of sausage B. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it really, actually, it, it was really cool in the end because then I, yeah, I ended up travelling and... and at one session, I remember it was on a ship somewhere. I can't remember where, in the southwest or something. So I was staying in a hotel wow. overnight, and then suddenly I was on a ship on my computer, putting all these spreadsheets together from types of sausages and gravy that went in this ration pack. And uh, that was really weird. Super weird. It sounds weird. like you were the, the real cogs and machinery behind the entire Ministry of Defence. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Lucy, there she is, restocking the. Oh, we've got loads of printer paper. Yep. Got, got enough coffee for the team, and uh, I've also filed this report on the benefits of um, gravy for the for the ration pack. It's like a really sort of humdrum Bletchley Park. Like you were one of these women, sort of behind the front lines, doing all of the admin. It's incredible, but also then sort of having a cheeky nap in the in the station. The station recovered. recovered. Yeah. God, she's been cleaning that for three hours. What a hero! Let's give her a promotion. Yeah, incredible. exactly. It was great. I just used to hide in there. It was really. Really amazing. It feels like a dream now. It's really strange. It's, yeah, um, it does sound like the weirdest for sure. Um, but also kind of one of the best. Like, my God, I would love that. And going off on all these trips with like army guys. I mean, why not in your 20s? Yeah, it was so funny. I mean, we'd go out for a curry and then have some beers after. <laughs> and then I'd just be in this hotel room on my own, you know, just loving life. Yeah, I like that clarification. In my hotel room on my own. On guys, my own. It wasn't that kind of trip. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't was a shared room. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't I had to do a room. file a report on the best rice pudding for, yeah, so none of that going on. None no funny that. business. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> that's hysterical. I had no idea about that, Lucy. You kept that one 
close to your chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Who knew that temping agencies send people out on these missions? <laughs> Random assignments. You're essentially a spy, yeah. So cool. Yeah, and did it just yeah. come to an end or were you like, I'm done with this? Yeah, I think it came to an end. I think I got moved on somewhere else. So <laughs> just moved on to a different... Am I sick? Yeah, I can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Did you ever, and you don't feel like you have to answer this, but did you ever steal any stationery from the Ministry of Defence? Because, not gonna lie, I've done similar things and I've definitely taken that back, back home. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't think I did. I don't think I did oh. steal anything. Yeah, because I don't think anything had the name on. It's just, you know, plain, boring pencils. I would have, like, I think, yeah. if it had had, yeah, the, the name guess. of the department or something. or Yeah, but yeah. no, it didn't have anything like that. So Okay. Yeah. I used to take... um. I was so excited when they started bringing in those Nespresso machines to offices and I'd be temping. And then I would like, um, yeah, I think I asked for one for Christmas. So I got my own little Nespresso machine, but I couldn't afford the proper Nespresso pods. Oh, so yeah. I used to fill my pockets like a little squirrel um, with these pods, take them home. So, you know, gen- incrementally, like one at a time, don't want <laughs> them to great. notice. But, you know, oh my God. It was a it was a good Christmas. <laughs> That's so funny. They're so expensive, those coffee pods, though. I totally get They're it. They're ridiculous. They are. They're ridiculous, but so velvety smooth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I don't blame you. I would have done the same. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to get perks, haven't you? And I have one more weird one, if that's... Yeah. Yes. No, please, <laughs> yeah. take as long as you want. These are so... brilliant, Lucy. These are like a free audiobook. <laughs> oh, my God. This just came to me today. I was thinking about this. And I did a job, so this was after drama school as well, Where and it was for another promotional agency, actually, but they wanted um, actors to... So it was an insurance company, and they insured um, difficult professions, so people in, in difficult professions, so an astronaut or a deep-sea diver or those kinds of oh uh, jobs. Wow. And mm. they, they wanted actors to walk around like the financial district in East London uh, as these characters... So I was employed <gasps> to walk around London as a scientist. That was my first role. And then a, a, an air stewardess. And <laughs> um, But the, the thing is, I still don't understand to this day what the, this job was for or what I had to do. Because <laughs> we, we just got dumped somewhere. And then they said, yeah, okay, so um, just walk around. Because there was a lot of actors there like doing this promotional job and so we said oh should we make a little scene out of it or because at one point I was with a pilot and then another air steward and then I was the air stewardess and we said let's make a little scene and then yeah. there was this kind of minder watching us like a like a team leader or something and then she would say oh d- don't talk though because then if the client comes by it looks like you're not working so we couldn't talk to each other and then we were just told to kind of mill around an area but we had nothing to do so oh we were all God. very confused. And then at some point we would get picked <laughs> up and dropped into some kind of bank foyer and then just told, okay, you're going to be here for an hour now. And we'd say, what do we, what do, we do? And they say, well, you've just got to be here. Just, just be in this space so, so you, people can see you. But because we had nothing to say and we couldn't talk to each other, I started to go slowly <laughs> mad because <laughs> it was about four or five days of 10-hour days and 10 hour days yeah of just just walking around and then someone would say could you look a bit busier could you look like you're you know there's something going on and you're but then I'd say but I can't talk we can't communicate with each other and I'm just 
dressed as this random and I had this little pull for the air stewardess I had this pull along suitcase so I was just wandering around in these heels and this with this pull along suitcase just doing laps of East London (laughs) oh my god it's just who came up with this idea what they were expecting people to see a confused looking scientist a confused looking air stewardess and a fucking astronaut and to be like oh right yeah I must go with that insurance company yeah I I have no idea (laughs) because we couldn't even because if people came up to us and said sorry what are you doing I think we didn't even know what to say because we were just like like, I can't speak I can't speak to you yeah (laughs) and I think there might have been someone handing a leaflet out maybe uh, buyers uh, you know something about the company (laughs) but the weirdest thing was so the poor guy who was in the astronaut suit he had to just be left. He was plonked somewhere all day, just just left on, on a, with a minder, and then he was just there. He, he he couldn't even see. It was one of those reflective visors. No, he couldn't see. So he, yeah, I mean he he couldn't. He was just there. I thought, well, at least I can walk around. Well, I mean, I suppose that's good training for being in space if he if he wants to pursue that as a career. But <laughs> that's so cruel. Again, another strange form of torture. At least your face wasn't covered this time. At least you had a modicum of respect. You were dressed as an air steward, but you can't speak to anyone and you don't know what you're doing. And it's 10 hours of pacing around. You yeah. can't even nap in a stationary cupboard. No, Horrendous. exactly. Yeah, everything was <laughs> taken from me. And then I remember the very last day I started to go mad. And, mm. and then by the last day I was uh, taken to a statue somewhere and they said, um, uh, just just stay around this statue. And I think I had um, a magnifying glass and I was just expecting this statue just talking to myself because I'd gone insane by this point with with no human interaction, just being plonked in these random areas in London and then being told just, just be here. And I was like, I want to I be busy. I want to do something or talk to someone. Of course. Um, of but course. that was the job. That was the job just to be there, just to be seen. In, in this certain area for this insurance company. I, I never It's the weirdest thing I've ever done. I wonder who came up with that idea and whether they've ever been hired again because it makes no sense. It sort of reminds me of like an immersive experience. Like if you go to um, Secret Cinema, for example, yeah. and you walk in on a scene and there is some sort of slightly deranged scientist staring at a statue with a magnifying glass talking to herself, but you're like, oh, this is part of the experience. I'm at an artistic venue. But like, so you're in the middle of the city of London and no one has a clue what you're on about. Everyone's just rushing to their next meeting and (laughs) they just worry for your sanity. They're like, someone please help that lady out. She's she's clearly lost it. She's examining a statue and talking to herself. And I mean, it was such a good idea for you guys to improvise a scene like that would have been good. And there is lots of material there. You could have done something from airplane, for example, something like that. But they were like, look, we've hired you. We know you've got skills, but we don't want you to use them. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Just be seen. Just be seen in this foyer. And at one point they took us to a canteen. So people were eating lunch and we were just sat there. No, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's, It's absolutely wild wild that you were expected to do that yeah it made me think of um this is in no way weird but i worked in a clothing shop once on regent street and it was quite a pretentious clothing shop and you know like the lights were dim and you know, lots of um yeah lots of attractive topless people working there i was not one of them but obviously <laughs> had fl- a top <laughs> fully on but like then one of the things so i was just standing around in the shop and they were like can you look busy? Can you just like, we, we need you to be seen, but look look busy. And I was like, well, shall I fold some of these clothes? And they were like, 
they saw my folding technique and they were like no don't do that don't fold the clothes but like then five minutes later they come up to me like could you just like pretend to fold the clothes could you just like sort of pretend i was like do you just want me to mime around this shop like i don't do you want me to pretend to open the till do you want me to pretend to open the door like i honestly don't know what you're supposed to expect me to do ridiculous oh my god that's why you were so good at mime then you had loads of practice yeah. well this is what i'm thinking both of us had this preliminary training in miming exactly. just yeah we need you to just be there, be seen. Oh my God. That was... Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, full marks for coming up with these weird day jobs. I can't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many more as well. I had to condense it because I thought we'll be here all day otherwise. <laughs> Do you have like an honorary mention for any other ones? Oh, just um, another really weird job I did as a scare actor once. Mm. A really weird event. I think a lot of people have uh, yeah done this, just jumping out on... <laughs> people for five hours straight as soon as this light flashed in my face I would then <laughs> jump out at people they were coming into this room and then the rest of the event I spent um walking around like with drool hanging out with my mouth uh, no. as, a, as a zombie as people were Was like enjoying canapes yeah yeah oh yeah yeah I produced it myself yeah Lucy <laughs> I've produced it myself <laughs> Lucy Oh my god, full commitment. Well, people are eating their canapes. You've just got some, yeah. some drool hanging out of your mouth. Yeah, we okay. should still wander Lovely. around and be zombie-like as people are enjoying canapes and Prosecco. Absolutely love that. And I can't believe that they shone a light in your face whenever you had to scare someone. Like, how... The, honestly, they do treat actors like animals sometimes, don't they, these jobs? <laughs> it actually felt like a, yeah, It's an like being a rat in a, a little controlled experiment. Yeah. When the light flashes, let's see what she does. Oh, okay. Honestly, horrendous. Yeah. Well, and it got really violent, actually, because everyone was really, really drunk at this thing. And we were mm. all in a room. There was a few of us. And so this light would flash up and then I'd scream. And then the, the drunker people got, they would start grabbing me. So I was the one who was, I was more scared because I got hit in the face at one point And then exactly. they, were, they didn't know. They were kind of feeling around and then they would feel someone and then mm. just grab onto me. So I think I was more scared than they were. Yeah, exactly. And there's no real training in that, is there? And there's no real um, protection, is there? I can imagine. <laughs> if you were like, actually, I was uh, molested during that job as a zombie. <laughs> well, yeah, like, exactly. Okay, yeah. well, horrendous. Well, I'm so glad you're out of that and into the wonderful world of doing audiobooks and projects yeah. and everything. So we're going to talk a bit about surviving in the city. And let's talk yeah. a bit about Amsterdam because you relocated uh, a few years ago. And it's yeah. different to living in London where you were before. Um, it's different to yeah. living in Bath where you were before that. But mm-hmm. um, tell us a bit about Amsterdam and how you made your career work there. And what's I guess what's been the biggest challenge, because maybe it's not a financial thing, but this might be useful to people thinking about relocating to a different city. Yeah, I think um, I'd made quite a lot of contact with people before I left. Um, so I'd already joined up to... It's a bit different here, so... Um, you don't really have an agent. You just join loads of different uh, casting platforms and then people find you oh, that brilliant. way. Yeah, so you just, you just sit on yeah. the website. You have all these different um, bureaus. And um, so I'd done quite a lot of the groundwork before I left. But yeah, of course, I was really nervous because I thought, well, what if this doesn't work out and now I've moved? And um, a huge thing for me was uh, planning to have a home studio because I already did a lot of voiceover. And then since then, I've been doing a lot of audiobooks and, and voice work from my own home studio. So I built that up mm-hmm. and that was great. Um, but yeah, it, it was very different actually. At first it was quite slow, but I just made loads of, sent loads of emails, um, did quite a few calls 
and then stuff started to trickle in and then actually I found because um because I'm learning to speak Dutch but I'm not anywhere near a kind of level where I could perform in in Dutch but actually you're part of a smaller pool of native English actors so if that's what they're looking for you're in a much smaller pool than say if you're in London so actually I feel really lucky because I feel like I've had quite a lot of work because it is it is a smaller pool of people yes for sure that's incredible I I long for the feeling of being a big fish in a small pond again and that sounds like it's what you are there you've got a special specialized talent in a way and a way of standing out to casting directors and stuff yeah it's fantastic yeah and so it's a different thing because um so here obviously I can't do um there's not a lot of theatre I I can do there's a couple of English-speaking theatre companies but it's not huge and uh same for I I get a lot of commercial uh castings now because obviously you don't have to say anything or you know I could do like a a couple of words in Dutch but uh, most of the time it's uh just non-speaking stuff so yeah Mm. it sort of changes the parameters of what you're able to do as well gorgeous oh <laughs> and also it's still early days and I can I imagine it will only continue to improve the longer you stay there and the longer you carve a niche and that you have this relationship with these casting directors they can call upon you and be like oh, yeah Lucy Brownhill <laughs> yeah I hope so yeah so yeah, that's fantastic really good well thank you for that it's really oh it's so tempting now I'm like maybe I should just go to a different city and be an English actor it'd be great anyway um so how do you stay creative on the side in general when you've been doing all of these terrible jobs <laughs> yeah so I write as well so I'm mm-hmm. always starting writing projects and trying to find time for that like I always start a lot of stuff never finish anything because I have <laughs> another idea and then I have to write it all down and then I've always moved on yeah. um so I do that like watch a lot of plays during lockdown I've been watching loads of plays on the uh, National Theatre website oh wonderful and um yeah yeah it's been really good to have that actually I also set up a, um, well, I was co-founded a, a production company and then we made a web series, which is on YouTube, and we all yes. collaborated together. There was no money in it at all. We just all wanted to make something and we all exchanged skills and, and made it happen. So also, yeah, work, if you've got the time working on projects that um, mean something to you, but, you know, you won't necessarily get paid. Yes. The, the web series you mentioned, the play, was so good. I absolutely loved it. It's just such great natural comedy skills. Um, <laughs> and... I think you're right, like no money in it at all, no, but you all got together and did it. And a friend said to me recently that he said no one really likes their job and there's a reason why you're paid to do it because it's a job. And a lot of things that you do in your free time, you put a lot of effort into and a lot of passion and you love doing it, but you're not Mm -hmm. paid for it and that's kind of why. And it just made me think, well, yeah, that's so true. And if you did the play and it was being paid, you might think, well, that'd be great. I'd love to be paid to write and produce this. But then there might be other things that come into it that would make you start hating it. And it's the same with this podcast. You know, I do this and I love it and there's no money in it. Yeah. I don't know if there are any listeners either, but um, <laughs> I'm sure there are. Um, but yeah, it's something I love doing and it's not a job because I'm not paid for it. And I guess, yeah, it was just staying creative on the side. It, I think you've got the balance right there. And it's also fine to not to not finish stuff, I think. I'm the same as you. Like I start projects, I don't finish them or you get another idea, but you can always go back to it. And it's just still a really good training mechanism to start the project and see how far it goes and do yeah. that writing. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. And just to have like, give yourself a few hours a day where you just let yourself work on something. It doesn't have to come to anything, but yeah. just, yeah, keep it, keep the, keep something flowing. Yes. 
And also I can imagine lots of great coffee shops in Amsterdam for sitting with your laptop, working on something. It was so romantic yeah. by the canal. Gorgeous. Oh, it is lovely. I can't wait to get back to them. Yes. Yeah. That was going to be so nice. Yeah. And that's great advice about watching the uh, plays on National Theatre. I didn't think about that because, of course, that's something that's come about in lockdown to keep theatre alive. So you had Glo- Globe Player and you had the National Theatre Live and all this stuff. And it is so good to just keep watching plays for everything. Just observing, pick a different thing every time you watch a play. I'm really going to focus on the sound design this time. I'm really going to focus on the script, the acting, because it's just amazing. And it's stuff that you really focus on when you're doing drama at school, at uni, drama school. And then you kind of just, yeah, you, 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 it gets lost then when you're just trying to survive and go to a play because yeah. your friend's in it. And, you know, but to actually appreciate the artistry of a really good production, it's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's been lovely. Yeah. Especially not being able to, you know, physically go to the theatre to be able to see all these amazing productions. Yeah. yeah. It's been really good. Okay. Thank you for that. And how do you save money as a creative? Any tips? Something I've done here, which has worked really well, is sort of exchange skills with people sometimes. So oh, cool. that saved money in terms of like when we were filming the play, there was a guy we knew who had, you know, a camera and some lighting equipment. And he said, oh, OK, well, um, you can use this for two days and then maybe could you do this voiceover for me for free? Nice. And then, yeah, so I've done things like that, like exchanged skills for, for something else. Um which I think can work really well sometimes. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I don't know, I've been a freelancer for so long, I'm really quite cautious with my money. So I think even if you have like, a good couple of months, I tend to just be really, yeah, cautious with my money and just think I'm not going to go and, and spend some, you know, I'm not going to go and buy a present for myself or whatever. I'll just, I'll save it just in case. But that's taken yeah. a while because I used to be really terrible with money. I'd just be like, oh, money, okay, I'll go and buy this thing. But yeah. now I'm like, no, you never know what's going to happen, do you, from month to month? Completely. That's really good advice. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes, you know, you can get a commercial and you tell people and they think, wow, that must have been amazing. You must make so much money. Wow. I miss, I wish, I wish I made that much money for an hour's work or whatever. But then you're like, well, yeah. this actually has to last me for the next year, perhaps. And, um, yeah. And I also have to put money aside for tax when I do my tax return and all of this nonsense. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's hard work. That's good. Yeah. Exactly. Good, you have though. to be careful, don't you? You really have to uh, watch yourself. Yeah, but the skill exchange, that's a really good piece of advice. And I guess maybe that's something we could all start doing as creatives is posting um, stuff on social media, wherever, um, or, you know, a physical poster uh, back in the old days. Yeah. Saying like, skill exchange can offer English lessons for... Yeah, exactly. Free headshots. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it can work really well. Yeah, and I think, yeah, giving time for people as well is, uh, like, if you can like to help people then they'll want to help you and then of course yeah I think that can work really well so Lucy Lucy Brownhill what would be your dream job as an actor oh my gosh um well you know I love period drama oh yes I think I would love to do like a complex uh, like psychological but then wear an epic costume in something like Peaky Blinders or um oh I love that series um Versailles have you seen oh, yes. that with the uh, about Louis the 14th oh my yeah. god I just thought I would love to do something in this that would be amazing um so something like that but then on the other hand I'd love to do something um like playing something like an FBI agent or you know someone in the military so you could really learn all those skills and it's like real physical performance um that kind of thing 
as well. Yes, I, I can see you in both of those roles. I can see you in a sort of, yeah, Marie Antoinette style wig, sort of towering over everyone, like seven foot tall. <laughs> exactly, I'd and, be too uh, tall for it, wouldn't I? <laughs> but no, you do have a fantastic period look and period vibe. I'll never forget you playing Masha, actually, in Chekhov. You were brilliant. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah. I can also see you as that kind of government, yeah, FBI role. And I mean, it's, the idea is screaming out to me. Hopefully it's screaming out to people listening that someone needs to write a biopic about you as a temp working at this government, you know, Ministry of Defence and working your way up to becoming this sort of strange Russian spy woman. Like that, <laughs> you could just play yourself. That'd be incredible. That's hilarious. Be Sleeping so in the cupboard. Yeah, 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 yeah napping yeah. in the cupboard. Maybe we'd take out those scenes, but certainly, you know, collating data on uh, the best sausages in your hotel room uh, before jetting off onto a ship the next day. Oh, I can see it now. The sweep and the people in their yeah. army uniforms and you're just walking behind them with a briefcase looking badass. Oh, love it. <laughs> Great. This needs okay, to happen. We should make it. We should make it. We should. Okay, fine. Oh. Done deal. So, Lucy, it's been an absolute joy chatting to you. I could chat to you for longer, for days. Finally, do you have anything to plug? So people can watch the play, for example, online you could plug that or your audiobooks or whatever you whatever you want to plug like your instagram anything yeah all the all my audiobooks are on audible or you can check some of them are free on spotify and yeah watch the play please that's uh, on youtube uh it's called shy dog productions it's called the play yeah and it's all yeah free to watch on on youtube so yeah that'd be great if people wanted to check it out great i'll put a link in the bio for the episode oh, um cool. if people wanted to find your audiobooks would they could they type in your name and would they get to them yeah, Fantastic. yeah, just on Audible. Yeah, if you oh. just put my name in, then they come up. Wow, yeah. how brilliant. I'm so proud of you, DC. Lucy, oh, Lucy Brownhill. thank you. It's been so good to talk to you. <laughs> thank you so much for your advice. And um, hopefully it's inspired other people listening to relocate to another city maybe and start a new career. I think it's been really inspiring. <laughs> thank you, Lucy. Have a wonderful day. It's been day. a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,